KL Skin Naturals is an award-winning small batch body care company started by owner-operator Leah Edgar in 2013. KL has a wide variety of body care products all made by hand to ensure you only receive premium quality products. I have personally been a customer of KL Skin Naturals since 2017 and can tell you that their natural deodorant is the only one that I use. And fun fact, Mr. Wild Rose Farmer is also a KL deodorant user too. Available in 23 clean scents in sensitive, classic, and extra strength formula and their new eco-friendly packaging, KL has a deodorant to suit your needs. Try it out for yourself and use promo code WILDROSE10 to save 10% off your order at klskindeodorant.com. Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Stacy Bronick. Stacy grew up in a small town in Wyoming and fully planned on becoming a city girl after college. She envisioned a life of high heels, high-rise apartments, and takeout on every corner. Today, she finds herself wearing boots in a ranch-style home with takeout over 50 miles away. In 2012, she accidentally fell in love with a farmer in the middle of nowhere, Montana. They married in 2013, and she moved to his family farm and ranch in central Montana, where they raise wheat, pulse crops, and have a commercial cow-calf operation. She is the farm mama to three kids ages six, four, and just turned one years old. Their most recent baby was born in the most unexpected way in an unexpected roadside delivery on their way to town. Stacy and her husband Rich delivered their baby in the front seat of the pickup truck. Both the baby and the pickup truck are doing well. <laughs> in her free time, she writes about motherhood, marriage, and farm life and has been published in several publications in addition to writing on her own website, stacybronick.com. She also shares some of her farm story on Instagram at stacybronick. She writes on Instagram to connect with other farm wives and women in agriculture, giving the voice to the sometimes unseen work of the farm wife and the farm mom. You are going to fall in love with Stacy, just like I did. And I have had the honor and privilege of building a friendship with Stacy over on the Instagram since we have recorded this. Oh gosh, way back when I feel like there was still snow on the ground when I chatted with Stacy. You're going to hear all about Stacy's life in Montana as well as her beautiful baby who was born in what I would say is probably my worst nightmare, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> Before we get to Stacy's interview today, I just want to say a big warm welcome to Melissa M., our newest patron over at the Tier 5 level on Patreon. Melissa now has access to the patron-only feed, ad-free listening, patron community status over on wildrosefarmer.com, an exclusive 10% off promo code at Shop Wild Rose Farmer, and is entered to win a Rural Woman podcast hat quarterly. But most importantly, 
Melissa gets my sincerest appreciation for her financial support of my work. So thank you, Melissa. You can join Melissa and the rest of the community over on Patreon by heading over to patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's interview with Stacy. Hello, Stacy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. I am excited to get to know you better and to be able to share your story with my audience. Well, thank you for having me. I have so many things I want to dig in and talk to you about because, Stacy, I don't know you very well, but from what I do know about you, I think we have a lot of things in common. <laughs> So for the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, give us a description. Tell us who you are and how you got your start in agriculture. I'm Stacy Bronick, and I live in central Montana. I always say I live in the middle of nowhere because we're not close to anything. So you and I are pretty close neighbors from Canada to Montana. I went to college at the University of Wyoming, and after that, I worked for a few years and I decided I wanted to go to grad school. So I moved to Billings, Montana to go to grad school to get a master's in education and school counseling. And after I finished grad school, I met my husband. We were tailgating at a football game. And I always say I accidentally fell in love with a farmer because that was definitely not my plan. And when my family found out, that was probably the last thing they expected to happen to me, but it did. And so my husband and I, we met in December of 2012 and we got engaged in March of 2013. And then we got married in September of 2013. And I moved to his family's farm in Montana. Well, I was in Montana, but I moved um, from where I was living. We were living about three hours apart and I moved to the farm and when we first got married, he mostly just did winter wheat and spring wheat. And then over the years, we've added a bunch of pulse crops. We also have a commercial cow-calf operation. And we are calving right now. And we have about 800 head of cows that we're calving. And we do that all in the barn. So all the cows go through the barn and give birth in the barn and then go out to pasture. So that's what we're doing right now, which is keeping everybody pretty busy. So... That's how I ended up in agriculture. I love how you put it that you accidentally fell in love with a farmer because I feel very similar to that. <laughs> and if you would have ever asked my family or friends or anything, if they would have ever envisioned me here on this farm doing what I'm doing, the answer would have been hell no. <laughs> exactly. My family was pretty shocked until they met him and then saw me with him and realized that there was something definitely there. and But I think they're still a little bit shocked when they just were like, you don't like to get dirty. But here I am. Here you are, living life in Montana. <laughs> yep. So tell me more about, I guess, life before you met your farmer. Do you remember, like, growing up, any connection to agriculture whatsoever, or what your first memory of agriculture might have been? So I grew up in a pretty small town in Wyoming. And so I guess I always say I didn't have anything to do really with agriculture, but we did. My grandpa had a small herd of cows, but that was mostly a hobby. And so to me, it wasn't a way of life, you know, that I know it is now that farming is, you know, not just a career or a job, that it's a lifestyle. 
So it just was never part of our life on a daily basis. Like I maybe saw a calf being born when I was a kid a few times, but it wasn't, you know, a daily thing or a, it wasn't very much part of my life like it is now. So, I mean, I did have a little bit of connection with agriculture, but it wasn't my dad. That wasn't his career or anything. So, but yeah, I remember, I think I was probably, I don't know, my 13th or 14th birthday and one of my, my step uncle, and I don't even know why he even said it, but he was teasing me and he said, you're going to grow up someday and marry a farmer or something. And so what, at that age, that was like the worst thing that someone could tell me was that I was going to marry a farmer. I was just horrified, like that he would even say that to me. So, and I, that sticks out to me and I don't even know why, and I don't even know why it came up, but so yeah. So then, you know, when I went to college, I had full, fully planned on, you know, I'd grown up my whole life in Wyoming. And so I'd fully planned on moving to a city, to Seattle or New York. I just had all these visions of living in a big apartment and just, I don't know, probably got my ideas from TV or movies. And that just seemed like I wanted to get away from a small town and which I did get away from a small town, but I ended up in the middle of nowhere. So it's just crazy how life to somewhere you definitely didn't plan to be. So when I met my husband, I was not looking for a boyfriend. And that's why I always say it was an accident that we just, it was definitely, I would say that God put us together in the same place, right place at the right time, because otherwise, I mean, there was no reason for him and I to even really meet. I was not, I was working as a school counselor at a high school and he's a farmer and our paths wouldn't have crossed otherwise, except for a football game. Absolutely. Absolutely. So take us on this journey then of how you moved to the farm and maybe what some of your expectations were going in and if those expectations were met or not met. It was a really big transition. I mean, we got married really fast. So the summer, my only experience with harvest before we got married was the summer we were engaged and I was living in town. I had moved to a small town near where he lives or we live now. So I would come out in the evenings and ride around with him in the combine. And, you know, it definitely had that romantic farm life feel where I got to sit next to my husband in the buddy seat while he, you know, but then I went home and went to bed and I wasn't bringing meals to the field. And that has definitely changed. So I feel like it was a big adjustment. You know, he would talk to me a lot about it before, like, you know, this is my career. This is my life. You know, being on the farm is like being a farm is his passion. Like it just runs through his blood. Like this is where he wants to be. And, you know, he made it really clear that this was his life and, you know, he wanted to make sure that I would be happy here too. But it's definitely something that someone can tell you, like that farming is a lifestyle and it's a 365 days a year, but until you're actually living it, it's just, so I would say my expectations, I didn't really know what to expect. And I went in with a positive attitude and wanting to be in this lifestyle, but I've definitely had to adjust and, you know, things have changed and we've had three kids over the last seven years and that's obviously changed both of our lives. So I just feel like we're all, I've just been adjusting and learning through the whole time we've been married. I think for me personally, I could definitely relate to that and more or less the uncertainty going in. I think it's one thing if you grew up in agriculture or had a sense of what this lifestyle was or a better understanding of it and coming into it and then adjusting that way. But like for me, me and you, we had the romantic combine rides, but we got to go home at the end of the night and get up the next day and go to work and live our normal nine to five life. 
and not to worry about all of these other things that go along with the actual farming and the business end of farming. I know for me, that was probably the biggest adjustment. And especially once we got married, I think knowing that my expectations of what my life would be would have to change in order for me to have a happy life, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think it's sometimes it's been a challenge and for me still, even though I've, I'm happy to be here and, but there's, I think sometimes I still find myself comparing myself to my friends that I left behind in the city that, you know, places that I lived before that, you know, I see an Instagram, they're skiing over the weekend or they're going camping. And I'm like, mm, that just doesn't happen. You know, that's just not our life, you know, and my husband doesn't get off work at five o'clock. And I can, that's been, I think one of the hardest parts is comparison and seeing what life I thought I might have before, where my husband worked nine to five and he came home and he always had every weekend off. And that's just not how this lifestyle works. And you definitely can drive yourself crazy comparing yourself to other people's lives and maybe what you thought your life would be, even though, like you said, you know, you're happy to be here and but you definitely have to change your expectations to be happy. You know, you can't just, you can't expect the farming lifestyle to change because it's not going to. Right. I guess. Yeah. And I think people adapt like once they get married and kind of figure out their footing of like where they fit into the operation and people can adapt and change things maybe that the generation before them didn't do. Like maybe your in-laws didn't have date night every week or didn't have date night every month or whatever, but you guys make that a priority and people just have to do what works best for them. But at the end of the day, this farm still needs to come as a higher priority than maybe sometimes we would like. (laughs) Right, exactly. KL Skin Naturals Whip Shampoo Bars are a highly concentrated blend of plant and coconut-based shampoo ingredients and are 100% soap-free. If you've tried out other shampoo bars in the past and found yourself with a head of oily, heavy, unmanageable hair, it's because soap is a blend of oils that is meant for your skin, not for your hair. KL's Whip Shampoo Bars are made with gentle, pH-balanced shampoo ingredients effective for all hair types. You can replace up to two to three plastic bottles of your liquid shampoo with their one whipped shampoo bar. Proudly sulfate, petroleum, and paraben-free, travel-friendly, and biodegradable packaging. Try KL's Whip Shampoo and Creamy Conditioner Bars for yourself and use promo code WILDROSE10 to save 10% off your order at klskindeodorant.com. So tell me about some wins that you've had on the farm. You've come here and you didn't know what was going on and some jobs maybe that you've done on the farm that you didn't ever think that you were going to do. Tell me about some wins that you want to celebrate. I definitely have tried a lot of things that I never thought I would. When we first got married, one of my brother-in-laws told me that I was game, is what he told me, that I was game to try anything because I would you know, jump in a tractor and, you know, drive it. And I've driven the combine a little bit. And I don't, I mean, I'm not the main combine operator with kids. It's hard for me to be in a machine all day, but I've definitely done that. And during calving, I have 
tried to, my husband has tried to teach me, you know, how to feel on the cow for a calf. And so I've stuck my arm inside of a cow. And during calving, I sometimes will go around the barn and we'll pick up the afterbirth from the stalls. And that's definitely not something I envision myself doing is cleaning afterbirth out of pen's barn, which I would say is much more pleasant when you're not pregnant. When I've been pregnant during calving, I get really nauseous with that job. But it's much better when you're not pregnant. So, yeah, so there's just been lots of, I mean, I've, you know, and I pay all, all the bills for the farm. So I've just, I feel like I've tried to do everything. And at least once I like to try it. I do remember one of my friends, we went to high school together and she actually married a farmer too. And she saw me, I can't remember, I saw a picture or something and that I was driving a combine or a semi or something. And she said that she doesn't ever want to do stuff like that because she doesn't want her husband to think she can do it. <laughs> because <laughs> then she might get stuck doing it. Right. <laughs> but I feel like my, my husband and I, we both, you know, and he's obviously understanding, knowing like that the kids are kind of my priority right now and understanding that I can't always drop everything and come do something. But I definitely like if I try something once and I don't feel comfortable with it and I tell him that that's something I don't do again, then, you know, he doesn't make me do something that I don't feel comfortable doing. But I do definitely like to try things at least once and, it's kind of fun to get to try something you never thought you would do, like drive a combine. Right. And I love that. And I love that attitude. And I'm just going to say, I'm so proud of you for having that attitude because I know how difficult it is coming on to a multi-generational farm and feeling almost the pressure either to learn something or throw your hands up in the air and saying, I'm not doing this because I don't want to learn how, so you don't rely on me to do this or whatever. And I think, you know, whatever works for whomever. I I can remember a family dinner early on in our marriage, and it was after I started learning how to drive the equipment and the trucks and all of that kind of stuff. And that was a comment that was made, like, if you learn how to do this, you know, you're going to have to do it. And I was like, well, yeah, like that's that's what I want to do, right? So I think it's different for everybody, but uh, good for you and good for you for trying these things. And honestly, you have the tough job on the farm and that's keeping your husband and your children alive. So <laughs> let's, right. let's talk more about your kids. What are their ages? And tell us what they what they like to do on the farm. Our oldest, we have, our son is Rhett and he is six and he is in kindergarten this year. And he always gets from his teachers, the comments that he is a true farm boy. One of his teachers said that he could start his own kindergarten SFA program. So he did everything about the farm. I was really worried about him going to school, like being away from his dad and, but he's doing well, but he definitely likes to come home and go to the shop when his dad's working in the shop and be with his dad and, doing anything he can to be with his dad. And then our daughter, our middle daughter is Allie and she's four and she's my little sidekick. She does like, she's starting to like to go with her dad a little bit more to the shop and during the winter months and stuff. And she's not as much into farming as her brother, but she likes to go around with her dad a little bit too. And then our youngest is Nora and she is almost nine months old and she doesn't know anything about farming yet other than she's just our little baby. So <laughs> can we talk about Nora a little bit more? Would you mind sharing the story about Nora and how she became the next farm kid in your in your clan of kids? 
Sure. So she was due last spring and or last May. And we, it was, I can't remember, it was a Thursday and I was about 38 weeks pregnant. And my second daughter, Allie, she was born at 41 weeks. So I was not planning on having a baby anytime soon. And I woke up one morning and was feeling some contractions, but I just thought, oh, this is probably just more Braxton Hicks and I'm not really in labor. And my husband kept asking me, do you think we should go to town? And we live 50 miles from where I was planning to have our baby. And half of those miles are gravel and those are highway. So it takes on a good day, an hour to hour and 15 minutes to get to town. So finally that morning, we, you know, I keep putting it off thinking, well, you don't, we don't need to go to town. We don't need to go to town. Cause I thought, well, how embarrassing to get to town with my third baby and not really be in late. I should know if I'm in labor or not. But finally at eight o'clock that morning, I called my midwife and I said, I might be in labor. We're going to head to town. And so she said, okay, I'll meet you at the birth center. So we get in the pickup and we drive the three miles from our house to my in-laws house to drop off our oldest two. And as we're bumping along the gravel road, like the contractions really started to pick up and I thought, okay, this is really happening. So we basically dumped the kids off. We opened the back door and told them to go inside that their grandparents were waiting for them. And we waved them goodbye and we started leaving my in-laws yard. And I had tried to text my mom. We don't have full service where we lived, like not even one bar, no service at all. And so I tried to text my mom, hoping that at some point, you know, when some random bar of service went through, it could, t- I could, she could get my message. And I, they live in Wyoming still. And I just said, I'm going to town and think I'm having a baby. And so anyway, so that was at about eight 25. And so we're driving along and I start to feel like I can feel like I'm a lot of pressure and thinking, you know, something is really happening. And at one point I reached down and I could feel the baby's head. The bed head wasn't coming out yet, but it was definitely within reach to feel, which is not a normal day. And so we keep driving and I tell my husband that I can feel the baby's head. And so then he tries to call my midwife. So looking back later on the phone log, like we had tried, there were like, I can't remember, like seven or 10 calls back and forth to my midwife. Most of them were dropped calls because they grew. So we finally, we get a hold of her and she decides to start driving towards us out of town instead of driving to the birth center when we kind of tell her what's going on. So at some point I decided I should take off my clothes. And so I took off, I was wearing her, which is silly to be wearing when you're in labor, but I planned on being going to town and getting into a dress gown. But anyway, so I took off my clothes and I'm sitting in the front seat and I had a, felt like a bit really big contraction and I felt like I had to push. And so when I pushed and my water broke all over the front seat of the pickup. And so at that point we still keep driving. I don't, my husband and I, neither of us ever freaked out. We just kind of felt like, I don't know, we just kept driving and he kept driving and I just was kind of, I don't know, I was, my mind was on autopilot, just being in labor. And then I had another contraction and I pushed again and then another contraction came and I pushed and I could feel the head came out. And so I told my husband, I said that the baby's head is out. And so we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl, so we didn't know what we were expecting. And 
So he, at that point, decides that he better pull over. So he pulls over on the side of the gravel road. We're still about, I don't know, he kind of, I think, knows where we had the baby, but I don't know. And he pulled over and he climbed into the passenger seat and was sitting in front of me. And my midwife at this point was on speakerphone and he told, or she was kind of directing us a little bit. And so I climbed up onto the center console to get myself up off the seat because I probably pushed the baby's head out into the seat. But I sat up on the center console and I pushed again and the baby came out and my husband caught her and we didn't have any blankets or towels because we were not prepared to have a baby in the pickup. And we wrapped her up in the blankets or the our coats and put the baby on my chest. And he didn't even look or, you know, we didn't look to see if the baby was a boy or a girl. He just put her on my chest and turned the heat up as high as he could. And we started driving again. And a few miles later, we met my midwife and she kind of opened, she opened the door to the pickup and just peeked in and saw that my bleeding was okay and that the baby looked okay. And then sent us, we kept driving and we drove the next 15, 20 miles with a baby on my chest. And we got clear to town and we went into the birth center and my placenta was, I still hadn't delivered my placenta. So I walked into the birth center, still fully attached to the baby. And we went in and I delivered the placenta and we found out we were having a girl or that we had a girl, and that was how Nora was born. Definitely not planned. And it was a crazy day for sure. It feels a little bit surreal now like, that it happened almost nine months ago, that sometimes it feels like it happened to somebody else. But yeah, that was a crazy day. Stacy, that is wild. Absolutely <laughs> wild. And Oh my goodness, I can't even believe it. And I'm like, I'm just astounded that you and your husband were so calm about all of this. I like, you are a rock star. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if we would have been as calm if it was our first baby or, you know, I think that it never even crossed my mind, which is crazy now to think about how, but in my mind, it was never like, we're going to have the baby in the pickup. Like, that wasn't, my, I think my mind, I was just, you know, so focused on the pain and breathing through the contractions. Like it, there was never a point where I felt like I needed to panic because I don't think my brain let me, like right. it just was happening. And my husband stayed calm and he's a pretty calm person anyway. So, I, you know, and he just, you know, kept driving. And later when we talked about it, I was like thinking like we should have pulled over sooner where I could have like laid in the back seat, and, you know, but I think that like I said, like, it just never crossed my mind, like, that we're going to have this, you know, that morning, things just ramped up and happened so fast that, you know, later then I was kind of embarrassed because I was, man, I should have actually known that I was going to have my baby. But from the time we left our house was about 8.15, 8.20 when we left our house. And my best guess based on the phone calls, I, I didn't actually look at the clock, but I did actually ask my husband to take our picture after I had her. So, her first picture, I looked at the timestamp later, and I think it was 9.07 on my phone. So I think she was roughly born at like 9.05. So between 8.20 when we left our house and I thought I might be in labor and 9.05, I had her. So that is wild. Definitely a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not complaining about how fast it was because, I mean, it was a relief to be out of pain, but I should have, we should have left for town sooner. <laughs> Well, Nora was just ready to come out and be a farm girl and was just all about it. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, when I think of like women on a farm, I think of resilient women and I think you 
are the epitome of a resilient woman, Stacey. Well, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, no doubt. So I want to ask, when you came on the farm and when you were kind of immersed into this lifestyle, like what were your initial feelings about loneliness on the farm or knowing other women in agriculture? It was definitely, I felt lonely, I think at first, because, you know, first I had moved to, I was away from all my friends and then I quit work my job because we're so far in town. Like it just didn't really make sense for me to keep working and, you know, driving to town to work. And, and so then I, there wasn't a lot of, you know, I just didn't have a lot of friends, obviously. So then I can't even remember if I was after I had had my first baby or I started kind of following a few people on a few women, I guess, on Instagram who were in agriculture and just to try and connect with people. But I will say that my first, I think I kind of felt like it made me kind of like maybe I should be doing more sometimes because I saw, you know, pictures of, or, you know, posts from women who were out doing all these things. And I had a new baby. And so I kind of felt like I maybe wasn't doing enough as a farmer's wife sometimes, like back to that comparison thing again, thinking that, you know, but then I've, what I've kind of learned over the years since then is that there's no one way to be a farmer's wife. But also, I feel like I have also learned that some people don't really like the title or a farmer's wife, that it's kind of like they don't think it's a, I don't, they see it negatively, which I've never thought of it in a negative way, I guess. I'm proud to call myself a farmer's wife. But yeah, I mean, I've definitely struggled with loneliness over the years. There's, I mean, we are so isolated you know, when the, when COVID hit and the global pandemic and people are talking about being isolated, that was already kind of my life anyway. So it wasn't like much, it didn't really feel like a lot changed in that aspect. But there's definitely, Instagram has a great community of women in agriculture and just trying to find your a community on there, I think is kind of, is a neat way to connect with a lot of different people in when we're all so spread apart. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said about the comparison thing and comparing yourself to other women on the farm, whether they are identify as a farm wife or a farmer or whatever they choose their role to be. And I think it's really easy to compare yourself to what other people are doing and knowing in your soul that you know what you're doing is enough. And I think, you know, once people get to that point, I feel like people have better relationships when it comes to social media and comparing themselves to others, because I've been there too. I've been there where, you know, I've watched women, you know, strap their kids on and go in a combine or they (laughs) go and do whatever. And I think to myself, like, I could never do that. Or, you know, if they're fixing equipment or operating equipment, anything like that, I've definitely been in that place. But once, once you get to the point where you're not comparing yourself anymore and it's more of a community-focused relationship that you're looking for, I think it's always, it's always nicer to have those relationships versus the negative feelings towards the internet because we've all been there. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and it's hard, really, you know, the comparison and, you know, always. And I even have to catch myself still, you know, seven years into being a farmer, you know, married to a farmer that finding myself thinking I'm not doing enough, but I try and remind myself that this is a season that I'm in and it's a season that will go by quickly. And the next thing I know, I'm probably going to be working out with my husband way more and maybe wishing that my kids were little again so that I could go back inside and not have to 
do what my husband asked me to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know how you do it, Stacy, but you do find time to write on your blog over at stacybronick.com. Tell us more about that and why you decided to start sharing your story in that way. I have always loved writing since I was a kid, but it was kind of something that I, after college, I didn't really do anymore. And I just, I guess it wasn't what I thought wasn't a career I was going to make as a writer. And so it wasn't really something I did. But then a few years ago, when I had, I think, just two kids, I one day I just felt like I really wanted to write. And it was something with my son and that had happened. And so I sat down at my desk and just started writing. And it was the first time I had written and I don't even know how long. And it just it felt really good to put my thoughts and feelings down. And so ever since then, I've that was probably five years ago. So I've just tried to, I've taken writing workshops over the years and I've joined in a writing group and it's definitely, I guess it's a hobby, but it's kind of my passion is writing. And I feel like farm life is just, you know, full of stories and my kids. And so I try and, I don't know, I write some farm stories and I write about motherhood and marriage. And I always tease that I hide in my laundry room to write because that's where my desk is. So I try and feel some time there when I can to write a little bit. It's so good. And I had a chance to peek at some of your blog posts and I'm excited to read more of them because I really enjoy your style of writing and I can really relate with a lot of things that you are sharing about your farm life. So thank you for continuing to write because I know when I was coming into this lifestyle as a person who wasn't part of agriculture. I was looking for resources like this to be able to connect with other people. So keep on writing. Thank you. What advice would you give to a woman who is coming in to the agriculture space? Oh, that's a hard question. I think try anything once. I mean, I think it's fun to get to, I think that's one of the best parts about being in agriculture and farming and ranching is getting to spend time with your significant other. You know, there's not a lot of other careers where you can go with your husband to work or, you know, there's just so much to do together, especially in those early years, you know, but maybe before you have kids, like just to do anything, you know, to try it. And if you don't like it, you know, you don't have to do it again. And I think that that's just really important because for me also it helps or it helped me like when I would spend like the days or, part of a day with my husband. And then later on when he would tell me that he was feeding or, you know, something broke down, like that I had actually seen that for myself, that I could actually picture what he was talking about instead of, you know, if I was just at home, then I wouldn't really know exactly what he was talking about. You know, it definitely helps your marriage too, because if you are, if your husband is like mine, and I think probably a lot of farmer husbands is that they like to talk about farming a lot. And it helps if you, not that you have to talk about farming all the time, but just to kind of, you know, get a peek into the world a little bit, just to kind of understand what's going on. And maybe you'll find something that you're really passionate about. And maybe that's, you can take that job and run with it. Yeah, absolutely. That is great advice. And yeah, I think I can relate with the farmer husband talk at the dinner table. I don't know what else <laughs> we, we really talk about. <laughs> Besides farming. I know. <laughs> I was laughing the other day because my son, we were driving and he said, hey, mom, can you turn the radio up? I want to hear the weather forecast. I thought, oh my gosh, it's a farmer in training for sure because right. it was just, he wanted to hear the weather. <laughs> 
That is so sweet. And I just love it. Oh, that's so good. Stacey, it has been so great chatting with you today. And I'm so happy that I'm able to share your story. My last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a farm wife for you? Definitely the family part, getting to work with my husband and his family and getting to be here. I didn't grow up in agriculture, but I can definitely tell that it's something I'm really happy that my kids are getting to grow up this way. So for me, the family part is the most important and the part I'm most thankful for. Very good stuff. Well, thank you again. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? You can find me at my website, which is stacybronick.com. And I'm also on Instagram at stacybronick. Perfect. And I will link both of those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Thank you. Thank you again so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.